Nation. I'm Shavonda Allen, licensed professional counselor and marriage and family therapist, and I'm here with today's self-care drop. Addiction is not something you hear a whole lot about, especially at church. Here at Converge, we want to equip you with tools to take care of your whole self, mind, body, and spirit. I want to give a quick shout out to Pastors Ray and Wendy for acknowledging and shining a light on mental health and addiction. There has been shame and stigma for decades about these issues, and the Bible tells us to be a light in darkness. And I am thankful we get to shine a light on these issues that are sometimes people's darkest moments. So what exactly is addiction? It's probably some bits of what you're thinking and also a lot you probably never thought of. Scientifically speaking, addiction is a disease of the brain, like diabetes is a disease of the pancreas and asthma is a disease of the lungs. The primary risk factor for addiction is not circumstances, but genetics. It's very much so hereditary, similar to being at risk for heart disease or asthma because of family history. Now that's not to say biology is the sole risk factor, so you could become addicted to something even if you're not aware of family history. And because these are topics that families don't always discuss, you could have family history and not even know it. Addiction is not a lack of willpower. Addiction is not a sign of weakness. Addiction is when something has become a problem and you continue to do it. Two examples of addictions that we talk about are two groupings of addictions are physical addictions and behavioral addictions. So physical addiction is an addiction to a substance that typically comes with a withdrawal from that substance. So alcohol, nicotine, some prescription medications, and some street drugs like heroin or meth. Uh, A behavioral addiction is an addiction to an activity. For example, gambling, shopping, video games, sex, love, food, exercise, and work. So what do you do when this thing has become a problem for you? Tip one is acknowledge the problem. Even in AA, the first step of the 12-step program is to acknowledge your own powerlessness over the alcohol, over the thing. And you really can't begin to recover until you accept that there is an issue. Tip two is if you have a loved one that is struggling with addiction, you want to bring it to them and you wanna give truth with a lot of grace and love. Be honest about the facts of the situation. Say what you see. Avoid name calling, avoid giving your opinion, and avoid exaggerations. That's gonna make it easier for the person to accept what you have to say. And the last step or the last tip is to seek help. And I know that sounds really self-explanatory, but when it comes to addiction, it's a really tough situation. And oftentimes you need accountability to really stay on the right path with your recovery process and you have a lot of resources uh, when it comes to that you can get with an addiction counselor as well as there are many community resources and a short list would be aa which is alcoholics anonymous 
Uh, there's even Al-Anon, which is for the family member of someone who's dealing with alcohol issues. You have Gamblers Anonymous, CODA, which is for uh, codependency and sex and love addiction. And then you have Celebrate Recovery. And this is a group that usually meets or program that's usually have, that they have in churches. They follow a, a similar kind of 12 step. And again, they give you uh, that accountability with different types of addictions, not just one particular addiction. So I wanna leave you Converse Nation with some Bible verses that will just encourage you uh, the Bible does talk about um, addiction, and I just want to give you some some hope in in this struggle. There is light at the end of the tunnel. So you have First Corinthians ten and thirteen, First Corinthians six and twelve, First Peter five and ten, and John eight and thirty six. Convergination. Our God is a big God, and He's bigger and more able than anything that has power over you, anything that you might be struggling with. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. And I hope that those scriptures will be an encouragement to you. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. You can reach me at smallvictoriescounseling.com. I really hope that that was a help to you. I know it's a lot of information in a short amount of time. But definitely reach out if you want more information or more specific resources to your issue. Thank you so much for your time, and I'll see you next time. Hi, Converge Nation. Cassie here with your upcoming news for March. We've been talking about our digital discipleship, and it's time to go from social media to social ministry. On March 1st, we'll be launching our Facebook groups for Converge Men, Converge Her, Converge Young Adults, Converge Students, and Converge Kids. So if you've been plugged in with us before or you want to get plugged in with us now, make sure to accept the invitation to the group or reach out and let us know which one you want to be involved in. We'll also be launching our six-week learning units on March 17th. We look forward to staying connected and growing with each one of you. Hey Converge family, some exciting news. We have new Converge merchandise. Go over to our e-store and check out our new gear, including a retro Love God, Love People tee, a Jesus Over Everything sweatshirt, our 10th anniversary commemorative tee, and a Jesus Greater Than Me t-shirt. The new merch and other Converge branded items can be ordered by emailing merch at weareconverge.com. During the month of March, we have a lot of exciting events as we celebrate our 10th anniversary as a church and one year as Converge Church. The sermon series will highlight our 2021 theme of being a banner year better decisions, better outcomes, and fewer regrets. To help us celebrate, we have an awesome lineup of some highly requested guest speakers. Some of you could have faced the prison of a, of a bad mistake. There is life after your mistakes. There is a future beyond your failures. So get up. He said, get ready. Get going. The force that is working in you is greater than the force that's working against you. Hi, Converse Church. My name is Pastor Pushy, and I'm so excited to be joining you for your 10th anniversary. Woo-hoo! 
So join me on the 21st of March. I have a word for you. Listen, if you plan to do anything significant, then this is for you. This is a word that blessed me and I know it's going to bless you. I'll see you soon. God bless. Joseph said, Joseph told his brothers, don't, don't think ill of yourself, for God sent me here in advance to preserve life. So everything I went through was transportation to get me to my destination. So most of us are spending time casting and binding the affliction without knowing affliction is actually transportation to your destination. We look forward to celebrating this exciting church milestone and a great upcoming banner year with you.
Well, good morning, Converge Nation. It is true. Anthony Evans was spot on, y'all. The Lord is with us, and he will never fail. And we're excited because Anthony and his team will be with us on Sunday, March 28th, uh, for our night of worship as we culminate our celebration of 10 years, y'all, 10 years of God's faithfulness. It's going to be absolutely incredible. It's going to kick off on Friday night. March 26th with, uh, listen, I'm super excited about this, our Converge Worship Band Reunion. Listen, if you were there in the beginning, uh, if you joined us at any point in between, somewhere between year one and year 10, uh, man, we've called in some of the, the musicians and worship leaders who were part of our story uh, to be with us as we celebrate God's faithfulness. Not only where we are right now, but equally as important, uh, where we've been. And they're going to be with us on Friday, March 26th, and again on Sunday morning, March 28th. So Friday night, we've got a Converge Worship Band reunion. We also we also have a very special moment for me and Pastor Wendy, uh, and that is our ordination. You say, well, you guys have pastored for years, and we've already been ordained, but we felt like this 10-year milestone was significant enough that we wanted our pastor, our mentor, our father in the faith, Bishop Darlingston Johnson, to lay hands on us and publicly affirm us in ordination uh, to kick off our 10-year celebration. So it's going to be a phenomenal time of worship. Uh, Bishop has a, a word in season for our church, and, uh, and we're excited about it. And then the celebration continues Saturday night. Tell us about what we can expect on Saturday night. Saturday night, we're going to have a game night, a game night in. Mm. And so we've hired a company. We are going to get on a Zoom call and cook hors d'oeuvres and make some punch before our game night. Mm -hmm. And then we'll get on the game night and there'll be team captains and facilitators. They're going to break us out into... Um, I guess like the breakout rooms right. online. And so it'll be a good competition because yes. everyone that's on, you'll break up into teams. The top two teams will compete while the rest of us uh, cheer them on. And then one team from Converge Church will have bragging rights woo, for the woo. rest of 2020. Team Harmon, y'all. Come on, <laughs> let's go. No, I'm really excited. So they can expect an email, right, with a couple of yeah. links. The first link is going to give you information about um, uh, uh, the cooking yes. hors d'oeuvre preparation thing. And then after that, there'll be a second link uh, that you can use to access Game Night In. Now, Game Night In is going to be virtual, mm -hmm. but Friday night is in person. But you'll need to RSVP so we can save you a seat. We'll be meeting at the Angelica Film Center uh, in Plano, in uh, the shops at Legacy, as well as Sunday morning. That's also going to be in person. And on Sunday morning, Bishop Johnson is going to be with us. But guess what? This is also a significant moment, a defining moment for several of you at Converge because we will be installing our ministers slash pastors in training. Uh, man, just a handful of people who have really shown themselves faithful, who are responding to the call of God. And Pastor Wendy and I, along with Bishop Johnson, will have the privilege of installing them as ministers 
slash pastors in training as part of our 10th anniversary celebration. And then the weekend is going to culminate with a night of worship with Anthony Evans. It's going to be phenomenal. Yes. And many of you who have celebrated with us over the years, some of you still live in town. Some of you have moved away. Mm. Some of you are cheering us on from Liberia, from Nigeria, from Georgia, from yeah. Brazil, just all over the world. And if you want to be a part of our celebration, but you aren't able to be here in person, we're going to uh, have some things at the bottom of the, some of the icons at the bottom of our screen. And feel free, you can give toward our anniversary yeah. celebration. Uh, we do have a church cash app. We, you can give with the text through the text to number. Mm -hmm. And so some people may just want to give. I remember for our fifth anniversary, one of my sisters lives in California and she said, she called me and she said, I can't believe you didn't tell yeah. me it was the church anniversary. I would have sent an offering and I would thought, oh my goodness, I forgot all about that. <laughs> and so for those of you that want to be a part, yeah. uh, you can do that by helping us celebrate and it's going to be a wonderful thing. We also have some uh, commemorative anniversary gift boxes that'll be yes. for sale that we are putting together now and so we're going to get information out to you so you may want to i'm telling you about the anniversary gift boxes now so that will not affect your offering you may <laughs> send an offering and we're then gonna say, double dip. yes we're not going to double dip <laughs> we're just going to let you know all your options right and so but we do want to celebrate this milestone mm. of god's faithfulness not just celebrating just to be celebrating but to celebrate God, you've been so good. Yeah. God, we've been able to do our small part in advancing God's kingdom and ministering to the hurting and giving, even mm. during the pandemic and the snowstorm of Texas, we were still mm. able to I like how make you said it. that, the snowstorm of Texas. Come on, we're going to own that thing. Come on, putting some ownership on it. Yes, the day before everything went south, we were able to provide much-needed hair care products yeah. to uh, Hope's Door, which is a women's and children's shelter for those that have experienced the painful effects of domestic violence. Right. So... You know, we don't have our name up in lights. Mm. Um, not a lot of people know about Converge, but every step of the way, every yeah. single week, every month, every year, we are trying to do our best to live out God's call to us Come on. by ministering to the hurting, having community, yeah. and also doing what the word says to mark the celebration. You know, make a joyful noise unto the Lord to, right. to, to mark a time to look back and see God's faithfulness and mm. to look forward expecting him to continue to use us. So, so we are good. excited. We want you to join in. You don't, you may not even be a member of mm. Converge. You may not have ever been a member of Converge, but you join every week. We still want you to be a part of the celebration. Yeah. And so in the weeks to come, we're going to have information, mm -hmm. how you can log in to certain things, how you can participate, but we want to celebrate. So you guys have been so good about celebrating Converge. We love you. We are so looking forward to whether you've been a part of the city church journey, which is 10 years as a church organization, mm -hmm. and Converge turned one January 3rd, wherever yeah. you find yourself. 
just join us. And you may be joining for the first time. Just get on the celebration <laughs> bandwagon with us yes. and have a good Indeed. time. No, fantastic. And none of this would have been possible without you. Uh, we say it often here at Converge that one is too small a number to accomplish anything great. And everything that's, that God has done uh, in us, uh, through us, and for us, uh, you have a part in. So we thank you for your partnership. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thanks for praying for us and believing with us. And listen, we are going to turn up. Come on, somebody. March 26th through the 28th. We want you to be a part of it, not just virtually. Listen, we want you to be there in person so we can hug your neck, high five, mm -hmm. shake your hand, cry. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. We can't do no. that. Social mm -hmm. distancing. My bad. <laughs> We're going to wave at you with we your go, mask on from we, across the room. From we across will do room. our part. <laughs> we will do our part. To stop the spread. No, no more. Uh, slap your neighbor and tell him no. Bam. No, okay. Yes. We want you to be there in person if you can. <laughs> Elbow your neighbor Elbow and your speak neighbor. loudly through your mask. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. It's going to be a wonderful time. But listen, without further ado, we're going to dive into our message for today. And we have a treat in store for you. Uh, right at the beginning of the series, we sent out a link where you could submit questions and we wanted to answer your frequently asked questions about relationships. Now, a few of you went off script and you had questions about the second coming of Christ and the end of the age. You had questions about eschatology. You had questions about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We've whittled it down to about 25 of your questions uh, that really fall into four categories, right? Some of those questions um, had some overlap, mm -hmm. and we're going to do our part uh, the best that we can in two segments, in two segments to answer those questions. And uh, listen, we're going to jump right in with prayer. And man, this is going to be good. I'm excited. I'm excited. Let's pray, and we'll 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 dive into the word and your questions together. Father, we love you. We honor you. And we thank you, Father. And and your word declares that uh, uh, above all things, Father, uh, that we should seek wisdom because wisdom is the principal thing. And in all of our getting, we ought to get understanding. So, Father, we do that now for these people who, have, uh, who are seeking understanding. Father, I pray that as we look to your word, we will find the, the answers, uh, the uh, strategies, and the resolution that we need in those places, God, where we're unsure and uncertain. We trust you to do that now. Father, thank you that your word will never return unto you void or unfulfilled. It will always prosper in the thing whereunto it is sent. So, Lord, we trust you now as your word goes forth to answer uh, these questions for your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. Listen, intentionally, strategically, deliberately, we wanted to start with questions that have to do with dating. Because a lot of times when we talk about series uh, around relationships or around family, uh, I don't think we invest enough time in speaking to our singles, and it's not intentional. We always uh, uh, communicate, uh, and we believe that the principles we share, because it's the Word of God, that those principles are transferable. They can touch and impact your life wherever you are, whatever your marital status is. But we wanted to start today and, and give our singles and those of you who are in dating relationships First dibs, we wanted to give you the priority. So these are some of the questions that you submitted to us uh, around the subject of dating and preparing for marriage and communication while you're dating. So here we go. Pastor Wendy, what do you have? What's the first question the we're going to tackle question, this morning? 
the first question is how early into a relationship should you talk about marriage if both of you are older? Mm. You want to take that or you want me to go first? Uh, I think we could we can do both. Okay. Well, here it is. The first thing that came to mind when I read the question, okay, um, and, and I want you to hear my heart in this, it's simply this. Don't allow your age to determine or define the pace of the relationship, okay? Uh, and I think the caveat at the end, if both of us are older, uh, could imply, right? You're not saying this, but when I read this, what it inferred to me was, ah, times, the clock's ticking, time's not on my side. And the danger of that is we make hasty decisions uh, when we think uh, we're on uh, a certain timetable or time frame. So my first uh, 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 word of counsel and wisdom to you is uh, take age off the table, even though that is a reality. It's very real and a very real concern, but don't allow age alone to be the, the thing that defines the pace of the relationship. Here's the second thing. Uh, when you allow age or any other thing, pressure from friends, pressure from family, if you allow those things to determine the pace of the relationship, what you will do is you will make decisions that are based or, or you'll make decisions that from a place of desperation. And, and, and if you think... <laughs> Time is an issue because of your age. Listen, the time you spend trying to recover or repair a bad decision is so much more painful than the time you will invest to wait enough to make the right decision. So that's my two cents to you. I'm sure Pastor Wendy has something else you'd like to add to that. Yes. My thing is, is you don't, I don't know where we have gotten so caught up in time. You know, mm. sometimes people think, you know, oh, you should have given it more time or why is it taking so long? But one of the most valuables, valuable lessons I've ever learned in life, and I learned it as a result of being a new mom mm. when we first had Nia. And I would be reading books about, you know, how to get on a sleep schedule and what you should be doing, nursing versus bottle feeding, mm -hmm. should you go to work? It was so overwhelming for me. Mm -hmm. And this is what I took from those early months as a mother. Do what works for you. Mm -hmm. It's good to have the information from the books. It's good to have input from those around you who have had children. Mm -hmm. And even though we're not talking about children, I'm transferring um, my two cents into do what works for you. Mm. Don't put yourself on a timetable. If you are older, you're mature enough, the feelings are mutual, that is the direction of the relationship. Mm. You have to do what works for you. But going back to what you said is you want to invest in a relationship and move at a pace where you it is not um, overwhelming and unnecessary damage right. to yourself, to another person, to feelings, to relationships. Mm. And so uh, I would say do what works for you, but be cautious in all the information that you already have as far as communication and looking to the future. Put those things in place. But I think your advice in the beginning mm -hmm. was so valuable. Take age off the table. Look at the relationship. Is this going where we need to go? Are right. we on the same page? 
We will do what works for us. Absolutely. And, and one of the things, uh, I guess it's, it's we, we talk about this in our premarital counseling, and uh, we also talk about it in some of the marriage counseling that we do, and we call it the five C's, right, of healthy relationships, right? Uh, before you make that decision, because again, uh, two people, uh, regardless of their age, can have tremendous chemistry. Based on chemistry alone, people can jump to commitment, right? So maybe you're in this relationship with this person, you have tremendous chemistry, and now you're thinking about commitment. Well, maybe it's time to start talking about marriage. So think of, think of, think of uh, chemistry and commitment as two opposite ends of a bridge, right? Uh, most people try to go from uh, chemistry to commitment without making sure that the bridge is in place. Uh, for us, we teach couples that that bridge between chemistry and commitment is three things. Number one, core values. Do you value the same things? Do you have the same non-negotiables, right? These are things you need to, to, to have in place before you start talking about marriage and commitment, regardless of your age. Core values. Number two, character, right? Because a person's core values, the things that matter most will shape and inform their character, who they really are, not who they pretend to be. And that's why desperation and, and your pace is important now because you got to give this thing time. Time is your friend because you can't high stink, right? You can't high stink. Over time, whatever is hidden or whatever is stinking is going to come to the surface and you're going to find it, right? You're going to find it. Now, so uh, chemistry is good. But don't jump to commitment. You've got to have core values. You've got to have character in place. And here's the third thing, capacity. All right. Uh, uh, can we grow together? That's critically important. All right. So uh, we don't have time to dive into that, but that's question number one. We hope that helped. Number two, Pastor Wendy, what do we have? Should you buy real estate together if you're not married? Woo! Come on, somebody. Say that one more time again, Pastor should you buy real estate together if you're not married? Mm. So if you're not married, right, infers that these are two people in a relationship. It might even be a committed relationship. It might even be a relationship where there has been a tremendous amount of time invested. Pastor Wendy, what is what it posed to do? What should they do? I say no. Come on, break it down for us. I say uh, number one is... If you're not married, mm. then what kind of commitment is there really? Um, Say that one more time again. Yes. If you're not married, what kind of commitment is it? Yeah. You know, um, and the Bible does speak. I don't have the scriptures in front of me, but um, like signing up and well, it, I guess it's more like co-signing for a loan. Right. But if you're buying real estate together, that is a bit of a co-signing yeah. with no commitment. Yeah. Um, I don't see the necessity of that. Yeah. Now, if you, it, it can just get messy. Yeah. It can just get really, really messy. And I don't, I've never in my 50 years of living have ever seen where in a non-committed relationship that spurs off into business relationship mm. where it has ever worked. Yeah, bad um, decision, bad decision. And, and let me say why, let me say why it's a bad decision. Uh, 
because that's a, a decision that culture informs. Uh, we live in a culture today where people say, well, let me test drive this relationship and see if it's going to work out. So they move in together. Uh, they move in together. And usually it's because out of convenience, right? Well, we're going we're gonna to save money, right? And they, they, people make decisions that are uh, uh, financial, but they're not, they don't honor Christ, right? So, so listen, you have a 100% chance of success at your relationship if you'll do it God's way. Uh, buying real estate and buying a home together with somebody, listen, membership has its privileges. And so that's one of the privileges of marriage. You get to do this with someone that you are committed to. Uh, I, we don't even have time to go into some of the dangers of, of what it looks like to, to have this level of of a commitment to someone, uh, a business relationship. And when I say business relationship because there is a bank involved in the mortgage and so on and so forth. For someone you may or may not be with long term. So here's scripture, Proverbs 24 and 27. Uh, 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 Solomon writes, uh, uh, make it fit for yourself in the field. Uh, oh my goodness, let me just look for it because I just drew a blank. Um, I, I, I'm, it seems like I'm missing the middle part of the verse, but Proverbs 24 and 27 is a scripture that you can stand on because God is a God of process and all things should be, be done decently and in order. So here it is, Proverbs 24 and verse 27. It says, prepare your outside work. Remember, he's speaking to a culture that is primarily uh, agrarian or agricultural, right? So he says, prepare your outside work. Make sure you have some sense of independence and stability, uh, some uh, sense of support, right? That you're able to support yourself because you have a field that is fruitful and productive. Number two, he says, make it fit for yourself in the field, right? He's talking about, again, productivity. He's talking about earning an income from the work you do in the field. And then he says, then build your house, all right. So he's saying, don't don't make the house the priority. Now, that's what I'll say to you in this relationship. Don't make the house pri the priority. There are things that should precede purchasing real estate with this person that you're romantically involved or if it's an entanglement. I don't know what it is, but all things should be done decently and in order. Proverbs 24 and 27 gives us that order. Uh, but along with that, that's something that should be reserved for a husband and a wife. Uh, but if you're if you're if it's just an investment with a business partner or whatever, you know you can go for it. But if this is someone you're romantically involved in, no, 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 no. And whatever you decide to do, make sure it is in writing that it is legal. Our counsel to you is no, don't do it. All righty, no. Pastor Wendy. What else you got for us? Question number three. Question number three. <laughs> Should I use a PI, private investigator, in a relationship just to be sure that I am not wasting my time Oof. in this relationship? Come on, that's good. <laughs> Y'all solicited hiring private investigators. Come on, Magnum PI. <laughs> Come on. This person is very concerned. Right. And, and, and very careful because they 
don't want to waste their time. That's that word again, right? right? Mm -hmm. they, they just want to do it right, right? right? And they don't want to invest their time right. and their energy and their emotions in something that is not going somewhere or something that is deceptive. Pastor right. Wendy, what would you say to this individual? Um, I say if you have to think about hiring a private investigator. There it is. This might not be the healthiest relationship right. um, to get into. Thinking, now, just off the cuff, I could say, okay, that's a person that wants to be thorough and informed, you know. But Possibly. I have been in love before, and when thinking about getting married, Hiring a private investigator has not been on the first 100 things of what I'd want to do. So the question is a legitimate question. It is. It is understandable in our society today. Absolutely. However, it seems though that question implies to me, without being stated, it implies that there might be a level of distrust in the relationship. Right. Maybe there is a level of um, dishonesty mm. that has already been displayed that they want to check up on. Right. Or it could be um, that they've heard another story. We do know of a situation where mm. there was infidelity in a relationship mm. and one of the spouses did hire a private investigator yeah. to make sure that they weren't being they saw all the other signs they wanted right. to get some hardcore evidence yeah uh but that was a marriage relationship and the relationship didn't start there mm. there was a breakdown so if there you feel a need to hire a private investigator i would think that maybe you need to uh have the courage to ask the questions right. that you want to ask just go ahead on and ask the questions. If you aren't getting the answers mm. that you need to satisfy you, then you need to wait. But to tie resources, if you're hiring a private investigator, then that seems like you're maybe being the thing that you hate. Yeah. Like, or maybe you're being the thing that you don't really want to be, mm -hmm. or you don't want what's done to you, which yeah. is, because if I'm gonna hire a private investigator on you, I'm not gonna say, hey, I'm hiring a private investigator to check up on you. Right. So then that means that if I'm not going to be forthcoming with that information, then am I being sneaky? Um, and so I just think that if you need to hire a private investigator that you, number one, maybe need to open up the lines of communication. Number two, if you aren't getting what you need, you maybe need to give it more time and even state, I'm not getting what I need and I feel uneasy and I feel like there's something being hidden, but just be upfront. Right. But if this person, I don't know, I don't know how, um, I don't- Can I, don't, I jump in? Yes. Or did you, did you, I don't want to jump in if you hadn't completed your thought. I hadn't, but you can go ahead. Okay, so, so, sorry baby. That's okay. No, I really let, I want you to finish. Yeah. Finish your thought. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> I'm just thinking that at this day and age, they're only, I, I've not dated anybody in 22 years. So I'm 23. not, I, I've been off the market for 23 years. 
But I don't know if I want to tie my resources up into a relationship where I feel like I am going to have to go this far. Right. So I would rather just go out with my girlfriends and buy a nice pair of shoes than to pay a private investigator. If this may not even be coming from a woman, but you know, I don't know if I want to, that's just me. I don't know if I want to tie resources up into something where I feel like, yeah. Well, I think the resources would be secondary, right? To, yes. to, to the fact that you want to guard your heart. Right. Right. right you want right, to protect right. yourself, right. your emotional right. uh, and personal well-being. Right? right. So I think to some degree, uh, the investment, if someone thought it was necessary, would be worth it. But here's my thing. Right. Uh, trust should be the cornerstone. It should be the foundation of every relationship. All right. What's that thing yes. you say? Um. Deborah Kimbrough. Yes. Uh, time will result in respect. Respect will result in trust. Time plus trust plus respect equals relationship. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Say that one more time, baby. Time will result in trust. Mm-hmm. Trust will result in respect. There it is. Time plus trust plus respect equals relationship. So if, you're, if you've invested enough time already in this relationship, there should be a level of trust. What I read or what I hear when I read this, and this is because of years that Pastor Wendy and I have spent sitting with couples, uh, married, engaged, boyfriend, girlfriend, the whole spectrum. Uh, uh, usually when something like this arises, it's because someone has seen some warning signs or someone has seen some red flags. Again, if you've seen those warning signs and red flags, you don't need to hire a private investigator to validate what you already know. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you, can, you, you have a couple of options. If you already know this and you've seen those red flags, this is, this is what you do. It's time to confront those things. Yes. It's time for a confrontation. Most people think of confrontation in a negative sense, yes. uh, but confrontation means comes from two words, confront, mm-hmm. to come face to face, right? Mm-hmm. Come face to face with your uh, what you're what you're feeling, what you're sensing. Now, here's the flip side of that, okay? Are these warning signs legitimate? And what I mean by that is some people in the name of having a spirit of discernment really have a spirit of suspicion. And your suspicions could be unhealthy, could be toxic because of past experiences. Pastor Wendy and I call it the the ex-boyfriend, the ex-girlfriend syndrome. You make the new guy, you make the new girl pay pay for what the last person did. So if your trust has been violated before, maybe you're not seeing red flags or warning signs. You're just suspicious. And you're saying, because of what happened to me the last time, I'm not going to let it happen to me this time, okay? Again, that's where time and trust and respect Mm -hmm. come in. So don't be in And if you're in that spot and you Mm -hmm. could be, then it really doesn't matter what the other person is or isn't doing. That's a spot, a wound that you need to get healthy in. Absolutely. And so the other person is not going to be able to uh, be honest enough. Right. They'll never be able to be honest enough. They aren't going to be able to be forthcoming because if you have a gaping infected wound Mm. that keeps nagging at you, that has to be healed up. Trust is something we offer up as a gift. I know our culture says, oh, you've got to earn my trust. Mm. 
but it is even if somebody is doing all the right things, right. you are still offering up trust. Like I am choosing to trust you and to place you here. Yeah. So no matter where you find yourself on the spectrum, that you know whether the it seems earned or whether yeah. you're just going to be a trusting person. Huge. What, however we give up trust, offer up our trust. It is a choice and we are offering it up as a gift. And Huge. if somebody violates that, forgiveness is for the believer is never a negotiable. Huge. It is always the way of the Lord to forgive. But you don't have to fraternize with them. You can <laughs> forgive them and move on. And so yeah. and I'm not saying to write off people, but when mm. it comes to close interpersonal relationships, yeah. if trust continues to be violated, if there is no healing, then um forgiveness you have to give that yeah. but it may not be a healthy relationship to stay on in a in in close proximity no that's huge very good very good pastor wendy one of the things we say here at at uh converge in in, in terms of healing yes. and 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 um uh eliminating the toxicity the emotional toxicity from our lives and simply this uh when you complete your grief you can continue your growth you have to complete your grief, whatever um, uh, you're, you might still be grieving from the loss of that relationship, right? What you dreamed it would be, you have to, you have to completely grieve that thing. You have to get it all out of you so that you can then continue your growth emotionally and even relationally. I think a lot of relationships suffer from arrested development and stunted growth because people don't give themselves enough time to complete their grief. So they come into a new relationship with grief, and sometimes that grief, incomplete grief, looks like suspicion and trust issues, and we bring it forward. When someone, when the person you're trying to hire the private investigator to follow really ain't the issue, you're the one with the issue because you haven't completed your grief, you have trust issues and have suspicion Issues. I However, think... comma, if they are the issue, <laughs> right, right. just own it yeah. and don't don't assume and feel start no. taking on things like, oh, it's just true, me. True. If you've got a check in your spirit or mm. in your gut, we don't even have to get deep. <laughs> if you've got a check, then it's like, okay. That your gut is like one level down from your your spirit, right? Yes. That's deep, deep in your yes. gut. Yes. Come on, that's way up under there. Yes, right? and if you've if you've got a check, then you just have to. You have to trust that. You gotta you gotta trust it and say, okay, this is not. It doesn't make them a bad person, mm -hmm. and it doesn't make you a bad or selfish person to say this does not work for me. Right. So if it is them, don't say, oh well, I got hurt in 1972, and so maybe I didn't get over that. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's 2021. And people out here trying to run game, you know that you know, and it's okay to say, this doesn't work for me. So good. This doesn't work for me. Woo! Baby, look, that was so, that's so powerful because we could segue right into the questions we got were around uh, dating. They were around boundaries. Yes. That is a boundary statement. Mm -hmm. That right there, uh, that don't work for me. That's huge, and I think it's important that couples learn that. Last thing I'm going to say about this is, uh, again, I reiterate, I reiterate this, give it time. A beautiful picture of this, and I think I shared this a few weeks ago with Jacob and Rachel, mm -hmm. 
Uh, even though he was madly in love with her, he kissed her on the first date and just started bawling his eyes out. But notice what he says to, to Rachel's dad, Laban. He said, I'm going to work seven years. I'm going to work seven years for you. And I think what's lost on us is not just a guy giving up seven years of his life to work for Laban. What this also afforded him was an opportunity to get to know Rachel. He said, listen, I know it was love at first sight and I fell in love with what I saw on day one. But over these seven years, there's some things I'm going to learn about you, but not just about you. Over the next seven years, I'm going to learn some things about your family. Because you don't just marry the individual, you marry their family. And when we say you marry their family, you marry their family history and you marry their family culture. And so dating, let me tell you that, dating, the, the purpose for dating is data collection. Dating, data collection. That's what you're doing. You're collecting data. Listen, every time you go on a date with them or their friends, you are on a reconnaissance mission, single person. You're collecting data, you're collecting facts that will help you make an informed decision that goes beyond, oh, love is blind. Listen, like Pastor Wendy said, the game done changed. We've been out the game 23 years, we've been married 20, uh, yeah, 20, yes. no, yeah, so 22, next, dating next two years, and, 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 and next week, actually, we'll be celebrating our 20th anniversary, and, and, but, but things have changed. So, so don't go in with your eyes wide shut. Do your due diligence. Man, that's only question number three. How are we going to do this, baby? Woo! We're going to go fast. We're going to go fast. Number four. Number four. This uh, person wanted us to talk about these things. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't necessarily a question, but uh, this was something on their heart, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. They um, stated, honoring oneself in a relationship, saying no, single blessedness, Parenting, dating, boundary, friendships, relationship with self. There's a lot there. Yes. There's a lot there. Let, let's tackle a couple of them, right? Uh, the first thing she says is, or this person says, honoring oneself in any relationship, right? Um, so this person has a question about maybe that they don't, uh, they're not an advocate for themselves, right? There could be a, a maybe a, an element of an approval addiction. Mm -hmm. uh, there could be a, a closet people pleaser in there. Uh, and so, so my encouragement to you is uh, as an individual, male or female, uh, bring your best self to the relationship. And this is how you do it. You honor yourself by loving yourself. And the way you love yourself is you have to allow yourself to begin to see what God sees. There is absolutely nothing about you that was a mistake. The scripture says concerning you in Psalm 139 that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully. That means with awe and reverence and wonderfully, carefully put together. You have to celebrate everything that God made that is unique and even peculiar about you and that's what you bring to the relationship and that's why Jesus said love the Lord with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength and then this is what he says and love your neighbor as yourself right love your neighbor now we think about that in terms of friendships 
but it's also true in terms of romantic relationships, right? You and I will only be able to love our neighbor to the degree that we've learned to love ourselves. We have to bring a whole, a healthy, not perfect, listen to me, not perfect, a whole, a complete self to the relationship. That's why the scripture says that we are complete in him, Colossians 2. You and I are complete in Christ. So begin to love yourself, right, by embracing and celebrating what God sees. Uh, number two, saying no. And I'm, I'm assuming this is probably saying no. I, I, I'm not sure exactly what they meant, but it goes back to boundaries. Right. That's not going to work for me. That is not going to work for me. And the most powerful word, word you will ever wield is the word no. Because the word no creates boundaries. I think also that um, in being able to honor yourself in relationships, saying no, I think you have to take some time and establish what it is that you actually want in a relationship. Right. Uh, and um, you don't just uh, get into dating or just doing things and then finding in the moment, ooh, I don't, I don't really particularly care for mm. that. Um, just a quick example, when I got to Bible school, Pastor Ray and I met in Bible school, but just before I got there, uh, I, I wanted to be married. I didn't go to Bible school to get married, but I was believing God. I was in my late 20s and I wanted to be married. And so when I, as I was learning the word of faith, I had actually gotten a journal and I folded the page in half and on the left of the journal page, I put down everything I wanted, mm. which were some negotiables, and I put down a non-negotiable. Mm. At that time in my life, because of what I had seen friends experience, one of my non-negotiables in my 20s was I did not want to marry a person that had children. Mm. And so uh, getting older, life changes, you know, I don't think about that now, but at that time in my life. So there wasn't, it wasn't that I was uh, against a person who had children. I just hadn't seen where those commingling relationships had ever been healthy up into that point in my life. So if there was somebody that approached me and they were like, oh, I'd love to go out or I want to get your number, but, you know, I'm going to, you know, go pick up my child from preschool, then I'm just like, oh, that is so sweet. I was an elementary school teacher, right. but I didn't go out on a date with that person. Right. It was, it was no, it didn't, it wasn't that that person was bad. Right, right, For right. me, where mm -hmm. I was in my life, I knew what I did not want. Mm. I mm. might not have known exactly what I wanted, but I know what I didn't want at Good. that time in my life. So if somebody approached me that had a child, I could be so polite. We mm. didn't go on a date. There was no way we were going to move forward. Another boundary I had, and it was, I, I met somebody one time and he invited me to go to a Christmas party. So I go to this Christmas party, but the Christmas party was a NAAA Christmas party. Oh, wow. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And and so I'm all for recovery. Absolutely. I'm all for recovery. This is in my 20s. At that time in my life, 
I was like, okay, well, what does this look like? That was a conversation I think I could have had more empathy and sympathy for it had I not it not been sprung up on me like right. I'm at this Christmas party and it was it was it, it, and what was revealed were some things that were uh, this person hadn't been in recovery long enough for me to feel comfortable for us to move on in mm. the relationship. Mm. And so um, at that point in my life, I was like, I don't really want to, I don't know what yeah. this looks like for me. And so it didn't go on. So you may not want to write down in your journal. That's fine if mm. it works for you. But if you establish, this is exactly what I want. This is exactly what I don't want. Mm. If you establish that within yourself, then when situations come, it's not so maybe hard and you're not caught off guard into saying, mm, that doesn't, that doesn't you know, work for me right. or I don't prefer that. And again, it doesn't mean that you have to write people off and be done with them. But if you already know, mm. I want somebody that's chocolate brown. Then somebody that is not chocolate brown, right. that that there's no attraction. I right. didn't want somebody that was five six, and I'm not making fun of of people. So if somebody approached me, mm. there was a guy. <laughs> then it wasn't anything. It was like okay, mm. it was nice to meet you. Right. So there, if you establish, I know that's all superficial. I'm talking about in my twenties because it's I've superficial, been, but it's important to you. It's imp and, and it helped me right. to shape what I wanted and the yeses I put out there and the noes I put out there. No, very good. No, I think that's powerful. And, and let me just jump in real quick uh, as we as we move on. I, I think what Pastor Wendy shared is extremely important because what we have in life and relationships is a direct result of design or default, meaning uh, what we have in our life is a result of what we've created or what we've tolerated. Very important. You want to make sure that your life, your choices are by design, meaning they are intentional, they are deliberate, it's a result of something you're creating on purpose, not something that you're responding to or you're being reactive or retroactive because it's by default. Uh, Zig Ziglar said it this way, last thing I'm gonna say about boundaries and about honoring yourself, and even the person asked about singleness, you know, listen, the two most successful people in scripture were both single, Jesus, the son of God, and Paul the apostle. They did more for the kingdom of God and our world than anybody else has done, and they were both single. So embrace the season and ask yourself, who am I becoming in this season? Am I becoming better or bitter? Here's the last thing I'm going to say about that, and I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, single blessedness. Uh, no, I was talking about design or default. I was just a squirrel jumping from branch to branch. But um, make sure it's by design, it's intentional, and uh, not by default. Uh, single blessedness. Uh, we talked about Paul. I mentioned Jesus and Paul the Apostle. Uh, celebrate where you are right now. Celebrate where you are. Embrace where you are. Make the most of where you are and celebrate who you are becoming in this season of singleness. Uh, I posted this to social media uh, earlier in the week and it's, it's a quote from Denzel Washington. He said, beware of the destination addiction. The idea that happiness is in the next place, the next job, or even with the next partner. 
or somehow magically you know when your status changes from single to married. Uh, he says, until you give up the idea that happiness is somewhere else, it will never be where you are. And so embrace this season of singleness and really celebrate where you are and who you are becoming. All right, this is where we're going to close uh, for today. Did you have something? Yeah. You were going to add? All right. Um, we got out of the 25, man. Most of the questions were around dating. They were around boundaries. And I think we've kind of touched on some of that uh, kind of all together. But man, uh, conflict resolution, communication and conflict resolution. This is where we're going to close. These principles are not just for single people. They're for you if you're single, if you're married, single again, divorced, widowed, wherever you are, a leader in the marketplace, a leader in your home and family, if you're a single parent, if you have a blended family. Listen, conflict is inevitable. So Pastor Wendy is going to read some of these questions for us, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to dive in. All righty. The first question is, how do I communicate my true thoughts in a relationship? Mm. So let's just read through these because I think as we just tell us what the questions are mm -hmm. and then we'll dive into okay. what we think uh, the communication should look like or what healthy communication looks like. Okay. How do I communicate my true thoughts in a relationship? Mm. Uh, communicating in conflict. I guess they're asking, how do you communicate in conflict? Mm. Uh, how do you get someone to understand reality versus what they believe they are doing? Mm. Um, and then how do you share your feelings in heart without ruining your friendship with someone? Mm. And then somebody just had questions centered around communication, finances, and family. Mm. Wow. So there's a lot there. And, uh, and so instead of, I guess, kind of answering those questions individually, we're going to talk in a general sense, right? We, we really can't deep dive everything about communication in one session, but we're just going to kind of share briefly what healthy communication looks like. George Bernard Shaw, I love this quote, and I think he nailed it. Because he said, the problem with communication is the illusion that it has occurred. <laughs> I'll say that again. The problem with communication is the illusion that it has occurred. Meaning, you can be sitting across the table from someone, sitting across the room from someone, sitting in the same space with someone. You can talk. They can hear. They can even respond. And the illusion is that you're really communicating when it really hasn't happened. Uh, and so I think that's usually where the problem begins. We don't know what effective and healthy communication looks like. Uh, uh, we're going to put a graphic on the screen. And uh, Pastor, Pastor Wendy actually shared this with me. We got a couple of laughs out of it. And, uh, and when I shared it on social media, man, people just started to comment and they loved it and they shared it. Uh, but it's a guy holding a coffee cup and on the, uh, uh, what do you call those, those things you put the on sleeve. the sleeve, on the sleeve or on the cup, uh, the word Kark was written C-A-R-K. But then there's a caption where he said, I told him my name is Mark with a C. And so, 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 so this barista writes on the cup Kark, C-A-R-K, because the patron had said, uh, when he said, what's your name, sir? He said, oh, it's Mark with a C. I think a lot of times in relationships, we go through life uh, hearing Kark, 
when what the speaker intended was Mark with a C, M-A-R-C, and what we heard was C-A-R-K, <laughs> two totally different things. I think it's important that we start there. So in Luke chapter 8 and verse 18, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, take heed how you hear. Take heed, not what you hear, but take heed how. It speaks of our filters. There's so much we could say about that. But notice what James, the brother of Jesus, says in James chapter 1 and verse 19. And this is from the Amplified Translation. He says, understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let everyone, that's all inclusive, let everyone, single, married, parent, child, husband, wife, let everyone be what? Quick to hear. Be a careful, thoughtful listener. In today's language, we'd call them an active listener. Be a careful, thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and be slow to anger. Be patient, reflective, and forgiving. So we're going to jump on this, and I want to, I want to answer the question. Uh, I, I think I'm going to answer uh, two questions in one. So one of the questions is, how do I communicate my true thoughts in a relationship? And the other one is, how do you share your feelings and heart without ruining your friends with your friendship with someone? Okay. Uh, in order to answer those questions, I think we have to understand the fact that there are five levels of communication, five levels of communication in every relationship, uh, even more specifically in the context of marriage. But I think the principle also applies in friendship. Now, understanding those five levels of communication determines how you respond in these relationships. Let me just say it this way. You don't want to, to, to give level five communication to someone who is a level one friend. Does that make sense? Right. So there's level five communication that you don't want to share with someone who is a level one friend or level one individual. You said, Pastor, what do you mean? So here it is, five levels of communication, and this will help you decide what to say, how to say it, when to say it. Number one, the first level of communication is when we share cliches. Uh, cliches are superficial. They are surface level communication, such as, hey, what's up? How are you? Just the thing like, uh, what's the weather like? That's just very superficial uh, that requires very little of us. There is no risk involved. Second level is sharing facts and information, all right? Uh, so if you're married or you're in a relationship or you have a coworker uh, type situation, sharing facts and information can look like syncing schedules. It can look like discussing finances. It can even look like just logistical discussions. Are you picking up the kids today? Or oh, who's picking up the kids today? Pastor Wendy and I have a cadence where uh, we have one week on, one week off. So I drop Nia off one weekend. She, I mean, one week uh, to school. I take her to school or she, Nia drives to school and I drive back one week and Pastor Wendy uh, does the same the following week. Uh, that's the second level of communication. We're just talking about the calendar. We're talking about the checkbook. We're talking about logistics. It's just facts and information. And this is so funny. I've got to share this video with you. This little girl and her mom. And it 
is a disagreement about facts because there are some people who will just dig in no matter what the facts are. And I think it speaks to the third question. How do you get someone to understand reality versus what they believe they are doing? Check this out. It will be right back. Now, I just love that video. That little girl is so precious. But her mom, who knows best, is saying, baby, that's not an apple. That's an onion. And this little girl is just biting into that onion, fully convinced, unwilling, mm -hmm. right? Unwilling to admit that she was wrong, that what she's eating is actually an onion even though her mom said, I mean, you know what I mean. Y'all know yeah. what I'm saying. And, and so there are some people who, no matter the facts, will push back and fight against it. Number three, the third level is when you share ideas and opinions. Because this is where it gets risky, right? This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling, right? And we run the risk of having our ideas and opinions shot down. Uh, uh, our ideas and opinions have to do with what we're thinking. We're not just sharing our calculator or our calendar, but we're sharing something we've created. We're sharing a thought. And most people don't even get to level three communication in relationships because it's too risky. Or they're in relationships with people who are unsafe. They feel unsafe to share their ideas and their opinions because it may be met. It may be met with sarcasm. It may be met with defensiveness. It may be met with any number of toxic emotions. Here's the fourth level, level four. You begin to share your values and your feelings. Values and feelings. We begin to share what we feel, the things that drive us, our hopes and our dreams. Uh, this is where we start to become friends, right? This is really the level where friendship happens, okay? And uh, you're really stepping out of the safe zone uh, because your values and feelings can be used to hurt you. Uh, what someone knows uh, about you can potentially be used as leverage against you. And so people don't get to level three and they surely, very rarely ever get to level four because it becomes even more risky. Level five is intimacy and confession. This is where there is full transparency, full vulnerability, and complete honesty. This is the, the level in relationships where true healing begins. Uh, notice what James chapter 5 and verse 16 says. It says, confess your trespasses to one another. Confess your faults, your shortcomings, your failures. Be vulnerable and transparent enough to show people your scars and your wounds, your imperfections. Listen, if people can't get to three, they surely ain't ever going to get to five.
because it's too risky or because the people you're in those relationships with are unsafe. Notice what he says. It's in confessing our trespasses to one another and praying for one another. When I, when I have this information that is so personal, deeply personal, my response is prayer. And notice what James says happens as a result of it, that you may be healed. When and where does the healing happen? The healing happens on level five, intimacy and confession. Notice what the verse doesn't say. It doesn't say take it to God, even though, yes, we can confess our faults to God, but there's something powerful. There's something therapeutic. There's something that heals us. There's something cathartic that happens when we confess our, our faults. Not just confession, but when we're in relationships that are safe enough that we can be transparent and vulnerable and tell people the truth. So to answer those questions, listen, how can I be vulnerable? How can I be honest? You got to evaluate the, le the, the, the status of the friendship and say to yourself, I can't, I can't, I can't risk level five communication, level four, level three communication with someone who is just a level one friend. It's a big, big deal. Uh, here's, the, here's the next thing. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse six from the Passion Translation says, uh, you can trust a friend who wounds you with his honesty, but your enemy's pretended flattery comes from insecurity. Listen, no, you, I, I'm sorry, comes from insincerity. Let me read that again because I got that wrong. This is Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 6 from the Passion Translation, where the writer says you can trust a friend who wounds you with his honesty, but your enemy's pretended Flattery comes from insincerity. Listen, the, 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 the New King James, which most of you might be more familiar with, simply says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But it goes on to talk about how the kisses of an enemy can't be trusted. Remember, Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And, and, and so most of us want relationships where all we get is kisses. But those kisses are deceptive. Sometimes you need somebody in your life who will wound you with the truth and wound you with honesty. Listen to me. We say that converge all the time. Just because it's hurtful doesn't mean it's harmful. There are things in life, especially the truth that is spoken in love that hurts, but it's never going to harm you. It's like going to a chiropractor and getting that adjustment, and getting that muscle work, that deep tissue work. Guess what, baby? It hurts, but it will never harm you. And so when you have people in your life, a Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 6 friend, what you're doing is you're creating friendships, level 5 friendships, level 5 communication, where you give each other permission to tell the truth, to be brutally honest, so that you can be healed. Final statement as it relates to communication. We say it here often. It's not original with us. I believe Pastor Jimmy Evans uh, uh, coined the phrase or the quote. He said, truth without grace is mean, but grace without truth is meaningless. You and I need to create marriages, friendships, and relationships where level five communication happens on a consistent basis. And the reason it happens is because 
We are full of truth and grace, just like Jesus, John 1, 18. He came full of grace and truth. But truth alone without grace is mean. It's mean-spirited. But conversely, grace without truth. At some point, at some point, you have to tell the truth. Grace without truth is meaningless. And we don't want to have relationships and friendships, whether it's marriage or just girlfriend and your boys or whatever it is, or even parenting that is just based on only truth that's mean or grace that is meaningless. Amen. Pastor Wendy, any final thoughts as we close out today's FAQs? Well, I did want to just go back when it said, how do I communicate my true thoughts in a relationship? Mm. And I think that you just, you do, you communicate. The how is you do it gently. Mm. Um, you can say, you know, hey, there's some things I would like to talk to you about that are important to me. Can mm. we set up a time when I, we can talk? And then you speak from I statements. Very good. You know. Uh, when this happens, I feel good. Or when this happened, I felt mm. you don't want to share your uh, thoughts and say, well, you did this. And that's why, so I, you know, if your goal is to share, you want to set up the scenario so mm. that people can hear you. How if, their actions are impacting you. Yes. How mm. their actions are impacting you as opposed to accusing what another person does can be very real. Mm. But if you go in saying, well, you did this and that's why I did this, you place that person mm -hmm. on the defensive mm -hmm. and it makes them, it makes it harder for them to hear you so because true. they are now thinking of their comeback. They mm -hmm. are thinking, oh, how am I gonna prove to you that wasn't my intention? Right. So when you ask, how do you communicate your true thoughts in a relationship? You can say, can I speak to you? We have so many modes of communication now. You can send an email. Don't be impersonable, um, but in the relationship, set up a time, send it in an email. I wouldn't do it by text. Say, hey, can we, you know, do you have about 20 minutes? We can talk on the phone. I want to talk about some things. Good. And in sharing your true thoughts in a relationship, you want to keep it right there. Mm. You want to share your thoughts, but don't put pressure on the other person to respond or don't pressure them to have a certain response. If your true goal is to share your thoughts, you have to keep it right there. Mm. Many times when we share our thoughts, we are looking for affirmation or mm. we're looking for confirmation or we need something back from a person. And I think that that is unfair to the other person. You want to give them time and uh, then go back and follow up. Say, you know, I wanted to share my heart. Thank you so much for listening. Do you have something that you want to say? Or if you say, you know, I know this might have been heavy. I want to give you some time. When can we right. revisit this? So you want to just do it gently, but share your true thoughts and true feelings. You just share it in a nice, in a gentle way. And then um, communicating in conflict. Remember that conflict is inevitable, but right. you don't want to name call. You don't want to uh, uh, be loud. Mm. Um, you want to just keep the main thing the main thing because mm. the higher your emotions are, the less rational 
you become. Very good. And then how do you share your feelings and heart without ruining a friendship with someone? Again, it's all in the presentation. Mm. If that person, if you're sharing your true thoughts and feelings and you are in a friendship and a relationship, then that person is more apt to hear your heart. Mm -hmm. Pastor Ray and I had a situation some years ago where we needed to uh, talk to someone who was who was not being their best at, at, at church. So we the initial conversation was over the phone. And it was, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversation over the phone, and it seemed like that conversation needed a follow-up. So mm. Pastor Ray and I, you know, uh, set this person um, to the side, and what I started the conversation off by saying is, I know we spoke on the phone, but I needed you to see my face mm. so you could hear my heart. Good. Because Good. there is a time when people are not able to uh, receive over the phone or something. And then yeah. my follow-up was, do you believe that I love you? And that sounded so strange to mm -hmm. the person at the time. Like, why are you asking me, do I believe that? Right. And I asked the person, do you believe that I really love you or do you just think you go to our church? Mm -hmm. And they said, no, I believe you really love me. And I said, if you don't believe that we love you, that will affect how you hear us. Absolutely. And it does. And so we were able to move forward in the in the conversation. But so we established mm -hmm. um, some ground rules. Number one, we, we want to do this so you can hear our heart. We do love you. Number two, we want to affirm that we actually do love you. And here's a situation we need to to discuss. So there were tears in the meeting, but um, there's still a, a, a decent relationship and mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard. So I just wanted to go over no, those fantastic. kind of practical Woo. Listen, we covered a lot of ground today, uh, but there's more. There is more. I feel like that infomercial at 2 a.m. But wait, there's more. But we'll pick up next Sunday as we close out the series, This Is Us. A lot of questions and we're going to deep dive some more information or uh, best practices and thoughts, things we've learned about communication, about conflict resolution, uh, also about parenting and about marriage. But that's going to be next Sunday uh, and we're also going to have communion together. We're super excited that you've been on this journey with us. Uh, if you have prayer requests, send them to us. The information is going to be on the bottom of the screen, how you can do that. And we also have some resources we'd like to send your way. Once again, thank you for being a part of our Converge family. We'll see you next Sunday. Bye-bye. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give in the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.